So my name is Will. If we didn't get to meet, I'm, I'm the pastor here. Uh, on, on Sunday mornings right now, we're in the book. We've just started going through the book of John. That's the typical thing. We'll go through a book of the Bible and we'll, uh, I'll get that for you. Uh, go through a book of the Bible, and that way it forces us to, to at least address each verse, if you will. But the Lord's been really good, and I don't know, maybe it's just in my head or it's the Holy Spirit, but he takes me on these detours, right? So this week, this is a detour warning. And so you can kind of discern, determine inside of you if it's like, yes, Will, you heard right from God, or man, you should have kept going in John. So last week, we were in John kind of the conversations, living life together, a book I'm reading, a bunch of different things kind of pointed me back, took me to Hebrews from John. And so today, instead of being in John, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. So you can turn in your Bibles or click in your Bibles, whatever you want to do. Last week in John, we barely got started in John, but we're where we spent our time is we were talking about the reality that that darkness has come into the world. Is that surprising? Anyone like, what? Where have I been? No? You guys got, I mean, you can see that darkness, evil, wrongdoing, it's present in the world. And we complain about it for our time as if it didn't happen before, but it's been happening generation after generation, age after age, time after time. Right now, it's our flavor to deal with, right? This is, this is our time, our specific things. If we get victory in one area, there'd be a new stupid thing that we start doing to destroy ourselves. Fair enough? The good news, something that's really good news, is the light, the truth of God has come into the world to sh try to show us the wrong that the dark is trying to pull, pull on us, right? It's, they're trying to, we're being deceived, confused, misdirected. And Jesus came, one of the things that he came to do is testify to truth, to redirect us. So the people who gather here, the whole point of this, why I have a building like this, this is where the people who Jesus has found and connected with, can gather together to worship, to study, right? To pray, to fellowship. So the effect of this is we're in blindness until the Lord and the Holy Spirit open our eyes. And then we see clearly what we didn't before. Right? Okay, are we awake? Should we do some push-ups or something? No? So let me take you to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Now, Hebrews is a letter, and, and we have to understand the context of this letter. This is not like a, a letter just to the general population under Roman rule. These are, are to who? Who's this letter to? The Jews, right? And, and the, in particular, some of the Jews who have come to faith in, in Jesus, and we're trying to, trying to get direction from other other Jews who've converted, right, to Christianity. And, uh, and so we can, even if you're not Jewish, you can take heart on some of these words because it's good guidance for what it means to navigate. Now, some of us, we might be coming out of religious practices, no matter what it is, and Jesus is trying to shine truth and get a hold of us. So it, it starts with this, chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Take care, brothers. Do you guys talk like that? You're at work. Take care, Elliot. The coffee is about out. Right? That's not what happens. The words here, what this really has to do is like, pay attention, open your eyes, be aware. Okay? So are you guys on the edge of your seat now? What he's about to say, he wants us to pay attention to to be aware of, to watch for, because in our blindness, we're going to miss it. And then the next word says brothers. And what that means is all the people who have the same heavenly father, they've come to believe, right? They're, they're part of the family, child of God. Like, like Emily said, a child of the king of kings, right? The one true God. It's like, pay attention. And then it goes on to say, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving, believing heart. 
I'll just let that ring a moment here. So first note, right, we talk about this a lot, like, at our house, like, wow, you, you read this, and you disregard it, because you, once you see evil or unbelieving, you're like, oh, that's people who have, don't have faith in God, right? It's a great excuse, because then you don't have to look at yourself, and you can be really happy with how great you are at life. The problem is the audience which he's writing to right here, take care, watch out, brothers, those people who Jesus has found, Right? And I'm going to talk to you because I realize there's two, pe- there's two groups of people that could possibly be here. Either Jesus has found you. And the way he does that is a couple different ways. One, like me, I grew up in a family that talked to me about God. And so I was given that kind of faith as a tradition. But somewhere along the way, I've had to, Jesus had to find me individually and call me to him. And I had to make it my own. And I've choose, chosen to do so. But not everyone who grows up in a church chooses to do that. Some of you might be still wrestling. You're here because mommy and daddy taught you that, right? That is your tradition, your culture. But, it might, but Jesus might not be your Lord yet. So within the brotherhood, you have people who are on all sorts of, I don't know, I'm here to prove Jesus isn't real. Hopefully he's going to trick you and show you he is real. Maybe I really believe, but I'm struggling. Maybe I'm struggling to believe. There's all these people in here. But what this letter to is the people who are part of the gathering. Hey, watch out. Less than any of you could be an evil, unbelieving heart. So the word unbelieving, what's that mean? What is it? Faithless? Yeah. Faithless. Like, they're they're struggling to believe or unfaithful. So it's like, watch out. Be careful. So that in you, in all of you, amongst you, that we don't have these movements in our hearts that are making us hard to believe God, to trust him. Those movements in our heart that are causing us to be unfaithful to God. Unfaithful to Jesus. Unfaithful to the life he's laid before us. And has anyone ever done unfaithful and unbelieving things after they were baptized? Okay, if you were, right? So I could see how that could come to me. Will, be careful. Corey, be careful. When you're together, be careful amongst you because there's the potential for your hearts to be moved. And by hearts, I mean that inner real part of you. It's going to be, there's a potential for those evil, unbelieving things to try to sneak in. So if that's true, and that's, that's possible in a, a body of a group of people who believe in the ancient times, right? Talking a couple thousand years ago. I could say it's possible, and I know it's happening even in this very room. Is that a fair assumption? And I got to say this, man. This is the hard part. Do you know that everyone who believes is really called to minister? others and somewhere along the way the person who spoke like me you have this wrong perception of me because this is like my hypocrite warning okay because I'm going to tell you what's true about this but in so many aspects of my life I can act in such an unbelieving way and I think what I really want to keep saying to you and telling you is let's not look at this things as one like okay you're a believer or you're an unbeliever So then when you come to belief, you think it's done. I'm finished. It's great. Everything's easy. Is everything done, finished, and easy? If that's true, if what I've been told is everything should be lined up and be together once I come to faith, accept Jesus, whatever your church tradition tells you, be baptized, then what are you left to think when things start going weird? What is it? I'm not saved. saved. Right? So then you just keep getting baptized. Or you keep like crying and repenting about it. Or what's the other option? You got some, you got some, what is it? You turn away. That's, that is, that's really true. You're like, forget it. This didn't work. 
because it's not all taken care of. Because I just thought in two categories, the unbeliever, right? We put everything in quotation marks, the Holy Spirit, the unbeliever, the baptism, right? Like we, we want to title everything instead of take the words what they mean. In any moment, you either believe or you don't. Do you see that? So you either like, oh man, I was never saved and you feel bad or you say this whole thing is a crock. It's a bunch of baloney because I didn't get fixed. And then you bail. Or the favorite part of church is you pretend. Right? And generation after generation of pretenders, how has that worked out? <laughs> I should send you guys out with some cameras and just watch the whole world who cares nothing about being part of fellowships that worship God, but would tell you they believe in him. Well, I believe the Bible. No, well, you're not really acting like it because you, you're doing nothing to encourage the people who believe with you. You're doing nothing to grow. You see, and the reason why is because we've been faking it, we've been lying, we've been pretending for too long. So the group of people that I want to be part of, that I want to fellowship with, we are, we are a people who are examining ourselves, starting with me, just to say this, like, where am I struggling to trust? I'm giving you permission. It doesn't mean you're not saved because you struggle to trust God in every aspect of your life. What I'm not giving you permission is to lie about it and pretend it's not there. Because that's helping nobody and it's not doing anything for you. So we begin to do, and it's not okay to stay in our struggling. The whole point is that we get better and in certain areas of our life. Right? It's hard. Where am I struggling to trust to believe and to rest in Jesus' leading in my life. Anyone work somewhere? Okay. Are you in complete control of your workplace? Right? Is there some level of trust, faith, rest that must come into play for you to do it, what it is that you do? Anyone drive a car? Have you ever driven opposite of other traffic and you simply have to just believe that car is not going to veer into you and end your life? And if you're still here, that means success. The Lord protected you in that. Okay? Are you married? Or do you have a significant other, right? Like a girlfriend that you've been with or boyfriend for a while. Like, you have to trust God for that relationship because you're not going to get everything that you want from that person. That's part of the point. Once they started doing that, you could dismiss God because you have a new God. And she wears lipstick, right? And so getting to that point is a struggle. And just because you got baptized when you were nine doesn't mean it's easy. Anyone have kids? Okay? Anyone have a newborn and you read about SIDS and you freak out when they go to bed at night? Anyone have a teenager that drives in a bomb that drives 70 miles an hour, Right? full of fuel, ready to explode them and somebody else, and you watch them drive away. Anyone have kids who are adult, you don't know where they're at and what they're doing today? Anyone have kids who don't talk to them right now, and you've got to trust God in the process? I mean, this is so much, and, and it is hard to, to trust in all those areas. And what about your health and, and finances and, and sexuality, right? And economics and governments and all these things that you can't affect. And I'm not going to stop here, but we could. So maybe make a note. Also, if you're part of our email list, Josh will send out kind of a summary so you can see these slides again. This is something worth praying about. When you start asking God, what are these areas for me? Right? What are these areas where I'm struggling to trust? Because depending on your experience and your journey, there might be areas that it's just you don't even think about. You trust them. And it sounds like a ridiculous example, but um, the driving my car. I've made enough successful trips in my car that I just don't think that much about it, how dangerous it is. Does that make sense? There's just a trust there. But sometimes with my wife or with my kids, I'm still freaking out. You know? For us in particular, some of the finances, we don't freak out as much because God took us on a journey. Some of you, that's a major concern. Some of you guys in relationships with your kids or your spouses, you've gone through quite a journey and there's a lot of trust in God and rest in God.
Now, what's important about that is now, once you identify those areas where you don't trust, those are the areas, the threatened weaknesses, challenge areas. This is where you're susceptible. This is like if you could talk to every believer. If my life's going to blow up, I could tell you where. It's these areas. Does that make sense? I'll keep going. So then he goes on to say, one of the dangers of the unbelieving heart is this. Unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Oh, this is like a theological and doctrine landmine right here that we're stepping into. I saw Rick smiling too, so he knows it too. So I was like, Lord, please let the Greek help me out, okay? Please let the Greek words here help me out. Well, here's what I found, okay? First of all, um, something that stood out to me, I underlined fall away. What in the world does that mean? And I highlighted living God. What does that mean? Well, first of all, fall away. The Greek word here, it's made up of two words. It's a compound word. You guys remember that from like second grade? Take two words, put them together. So the two words here are off and to stand. So the idea of falling away is a willful act where you stand off from. It's like something stinks real bad and you're like, no, I'm not going over there. You're making an act of the will to stand away from. And then the living God. What's a living God mean? Alive. Implications of that. He's still alive, active, right? In authority, in control, in power. So if I was to summarize that, the danger of you and I, why this is so important, why I paused our progress here is because we've got to deal with the unbelief and the doubt in our hearts. Because if not, what will happen is it will lead us in areas of our life to stand off from God's way. To remove ourselves from where God is in that. So you'll lead us to stand off from God who is alive and wants to be a moving, active presence in our life. Here's what, I want to, here's what I'd like to tell you. This is what I believe at the core of me. You want to get somewhere in your life. You, you've got to invest the time with the Lord and realize this. Like in some areas of my life, I'll be like, okay, Lord, I'm on the same page with you right here. We're together. But in this area, that hasn't worked out so well in the past. So here, I'm going to stand off from you. Why? Because I've been hurt. My heart has become hardened. And I'm not open to where you're leading in that area of my life. Okay, if you open your eyes and you discern the world around you, do you see that at play? Do you feel that in yourself? And see, that's what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus wants to be Lord. Like, I take over every part of your life. So if we use that example, right? Like driving, okay, that that seems to be unthreatening. If we use that, um, who's praying before they drive? You know, with your kids. Who's coming to that realization, which is true, that whatever kid God gave you was his first. So if something bad happens to them, he'll be even more brokenhearted than you. Okay? Who, who approaches their spouse in this way, that, that God knew who I would choose, even when he created her he, or him, he had a plan, he's up to something, and I'm going to trust him in that. Who is like money, like, you know what? God is the king of all kings. He owns every cattle on every hill. If I need the money, he can provide it. Who handles their sexuality? God created it, all the parts of it, and he knows a way to handle that. Who's treating their bodies like, God, you created this body, and I need to learn from you on how to care for it. Do you see that Lord over everything, but instead we get hurt in areas. You get hurt 
in a financial area. You see someone, you know, the, they grow up poor and then money becomes almost a God replacement to them. And the problem is they get money and it's still a really bad God. You know, you, you maybe feel like you're out of shape so getting in shape becomes everything to you. You get buff, still sad. Right? You feel lonely, so affection, touch, you, you desire that, you go for it, you get it, and still not enough. You feel insignificant, so you go for power, you get power, prestige, still incomplete. So thinking of words, I mean, what's going on in the head of anyone who's sort of stepping back and moving far from God? And and that's the whole thing is everyone wants to say, oh, you know, if you kind of fall away from God or you go off, it's like something you're a victim to has happened to you. And we always want to know this. Our question, because we're people, is we want to test boundaries, right? Like, how much coffee can I drink before I have a heart attack or stroke, right? Like, how... How sunburned can I get before I blister? Like, you know, how much can I steal before I get caught? Like, how, you know, we want to push the limits, so we do that with God. How far, Randy, can I go where I still get into heaven and have fun? Right? Like, how far can I push it and God not send me to hell? Right? This is like, this is a a church thing that we talk about. And the whole point with this is we got to transform our thinking. Anything other than in the presence of Jesus and where he's at is not good. And it's not really living. And that's what we should be going for. Why be good enough? It's like playing horseshoes and saying, okay, if I can just get it enough to score a point. But no, no ringers, we don't want that. that could, that's too dangerous. We're just gonna, every time, shoot for that, right? Jesus wants to be a, pre, a presence, an ever presence, a live person in our life because he knows how to handle every aspect. It's like we say we remove ourselves from him. Josh, it's like we're saying this. I don't want what you're offering because I don't think it's good. like, Lord, I I don't want to do it your way because I think I have a good and better way. Will, why are you picking? I'm not. It's been there since the beginning. If you go back to that book in Genesis, remember these two characters, Adam, Eve? Okay, you can eat from any fruit in the garden, but this tree here don't. Oh, man, you're holding out on me. Satan gets in there. (laughs) He's holding out on you. He knows if you could just get this, your eyes would be opened, and you would be like him. And he's jealous and doesn't want good for you. And that's sort of what it is, right? It's like the church thing you grew up with. Be sort of happy, sort of successful, sort of loved, and be happy with it. And then you wonder why everyone who comes in is like, no, I don't want to be sort of. I want to be fully alive. And so that same lie that fooled Adam and Eve is fooling us. Like, let me show you how to do this in the full way. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to tell myself, we've got to examine ourselves and see where we're feeling this way. Because I think over time, guys, if we can surrender some of these areas, we're going to see such a tremendous movement in our life. And ultimately, the better good is what happens after this life. But, but Jesus came to tell us one thing, that eternal life is knowing him, right? It's, it's living with him now. It's present now. It's living with him and the Father. There's an eternal life now because your spirit and the real core of who you are doesn't expire just because your body is. And the body, we'll make a new one of those. But I'm not making a new one of you. being reborn, recreated, renewed in the power of the Holy Spirit through the Lord Jesus. So why is it so hard to believe Jesus in this way and to believe in his way? We don't trust him. Yeah. Here's, see, here's, I'll get back to that. 
So my, my next question is that, because we were talking a little bit about that. Where is there help? In the book, where is there help for me and for others? That's a little bit about what Hebrews is talking about here. And this is what I think we're really missing because we're such an isolated culture. Do you see that? And I don't want to sound, sound like a ranting old guy, like against technology, but, but the core message and movement is very individualized in our culture right now. And the more technology we have, the more we isolate. As a matter of fact, more and more of us are going to school from home, going, working from home, and it's very easy to isolate and not be in the community of others. And so where is there help for me if I'm alone? It's only you, right? It's only you, and so you have blind eyes because in the areas in which you're blind, you're blind. I had a friend, someone told him, why do you always do it that way? I don't think that's right. He goes, well, I always do it this way because I think it's the right way to do it. I don't know any different. And, and it was a simple statement, but really true. So if I'm isolated, okay, and I have a hard time trusting God in X, and that's all the influence in my life, how am I ever going to start trusting God for X? I mean, it has to be a supernatural movement of God in my life, Right? Or over time, he's going to create circumstances going to help me to touch, to, to learn and grow in that. Well, one of the things I'm, what I'm running into when I'm talking with people is on one end, we, get, we start to get this, right? Because there's this community aspect. It's like we, the church, you start seeing the prayer, us and we, and we think collectively we're supposed to be the body of Christ and the assembly of the believers and help one another. But then on the other scripture over here, there's lots of individualized things, like all the Psalms, like search my heart and help me get all the sin out of my life, God. And the problem is people tend to dwell in one of two things. When I talk to them, they're like, I'm so focused, I just want to be in my living room getting purified, right? Or don't talk to me about that. I want to pull as many weeds that I can and have lunches with people and talk about Jesus. It's like, the all community and the all individual. The problem is we serve the God of gods. We follow, we're trying to become Jesus who is everything. He at the same time cared so much about the individual. You remember the stories? And we'll get to more of those. Where he stopped on a journey to the masses to care for an individual. So Jesus is about this. But he's also about this. And then the next moment, there's this community because we can't forget when Jesus left, he entrusted us to continue his work. But here's the danger. Some people will read this Hebrew scripture and say, oh, it's the us and the we. So, Brandy, let's start looking around. Okay, what, what's Randy doing wrong? Right? How can we help him see this mistreatment of truth, you know? And, you know, what about Corey? And geez, I mean, I feel bad about this, but at least I'm not Corey, right? Right? Like, you see that, like, oh, what about Josh and Jet? I mean, geez, come on, guys. You got, you got to get it together. It's easy for me to deflect my own conviction, right, by putting it on somebody else. But we've got to remember something Jesus said. Let me bring another section of Scripture, Matthew 7. Remember this, verse 3? Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? Right? But do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, okay, but everyone knows that part. So then you start thinking, okay, I'm not going to help anybody. Right? It takes you back to your living room coffee and listening prayer and everything's great, right? Like 17 hours of Hillsong, Bethel, right? Okay? But then you treat your husband and your kids like trash. You see how that works? Now, we, we can't skip the second part of this. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, Will, are you saying that I have, a, I have a responsibility to the community around me of people who believe? Yes. Okay, but wait, 
that I don't have a responsibility to the individual? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, so I have an, a responsibility to the individual. Myself, getting purified, right? Being right with God, growing in Christ. Yes, you have that. So then I don't have a responsibility to the masses. No, both. In a lot of ways, our God is so huge that, that it seems it, it blows your mind. It scrambles the eggs of your brain, if you will. Because at the same time, I'm taking the log out of my own eye and helping my brother take the speck out of his eye. How do you get that right? What's that? Humility. Humility. You blow it a lot. You blow it so much that at least probably a couple times a week you should be around other people who are also blowing it a lot but trying to do that. Right? Do you see why? You starting to see the why we're doing this? Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say this, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. And that's a fun play on words, which means all the time. Like, as long as I call it today, what about today? No, well, do they call it today? Yeah, okay, then yes, do this. And the word exhort is often misunderstood. I love this word because I believe, I believe it's one of the things that God created me to do more than anything else is this exhort. But the call is to everyone who believes. Not only are you exhorting others, but you're exhorting yourself. And the idea of exhort, the word here, what it really means, because when you think about, what do you think when you think about exhorting or exhortation? Correction? Okay. That's actually probably not even the most, that's actually more right in some ways. But most of the time we just think encouraging. So you think someone who exhorts, the connotation in our culture is always just to encourage you can do it, everything is always okay, right? That's what you're thinking, um, but it's so much more. It includes what Chris said here. The, I, the word here, the, the Greek word actually literally means to call to one side. You heard that before? Yeah. Here's, what, here's how I'm looking at it differently. Do you understand? If I am to point you to the good things, in order to point you to the good and right things of God, what I'm actually doing is, you, is asking you to come alongside me, then what's assumed? That I'm going towards the things of God. Okay. So there's a lot of words here, but let me slow this down for a minute. How are you going to navigate this together and with the Father? When you're navigating this, you're simultaneously, right, growing in your own life and inviting the people around you to come to where you are and show them what you're learning. Do you see that? Oh, Lord, we just want it one or the other. Depending on your comfort, you know. Some people are like, oh, I really love prayer and worship and just, just like soaking in it. Okay, that's cool. Or like, man, I really love like painting a building and telling people about Jesus. Both cool. Now you guys need to teach each other because you've got to do both in some way, right? Like the idea is this. The reason why you exhort one another is this. The reason why is so that this, none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So here's, here's the image that, that God gives. If you think about heart, right? In the word, it's the same word for the organ, but also for the center of man in the scripture. So what the scripture says is this, because we were born spiritually dead to go into destruction, right? God had to give us a new heart. It says we had this heart of stone and God had to give us this heart of flesh. And the idea with that, which is really powerful and cool, is before where I didn't know what was wrong, the Lord is teaching me. He gives me this new soft heart so that when I do the things that aren't right with him, that are not the life-giving, peacemaking, love-pursuing ways, there's, there's a 
there's a softness to my heart so that I can be squeezed. Ooh, yeah, that's not right. Like, I know that's not life, right? It's that conviction. And what happens over time is we get hurt. We end up hardening our hearts. We're less open to God's conviction. Pretty soon you're like ignoring it. You're like, I'm okay with this filth in my life because over time my heart's got so hardened to it. Right? I feel so insecure and I can't do the things to make me feel more confident and secure. It seems impossible. I'm aging. Time is flying. Life is too busy. So instead of that, I'm going to do things to cope with my insecurity. What kind of things do we do to cope with our insecurity? No, what's that? Well, yeah, different sins, right? Like, just like practical. Like, where do you think gossip comes from? Like, I want to be in the know. I want you to see how connected I am. Or I want to show you how bad they're doing, right? So that I feel better about myself. Or we, we tear them down, or we put on a fake persona, or we're insecure, so we try to lead with our gifts. Look how successful I am, how great I sing, how well I speak, how pretty I am. But inside, you're insecure, or I'm always talking, okay? Right? Insecure. And, and if your heart is soft enough, you begin to say, you're doing it again. But as you harden your heart over time because you let sin in, it'll harden your heart to the point where you don't even realize what you're doing. Man, I have so much stress, stress and pain. I've learned to cope with that, with, with drugs, alcohol, sugar, chemicals. My life is never going to get better, so I keep using more of these things, which don't make my life better, but in turn it makes my life worse until it's so out of control I'm lost. My heart is hardened, my hard heart is hardened, and I've stepped away from God's way. Right? Sexual sin is an epidemic in our culture. There is no way for me to express my my desires and wants in a positive, God honoring way. So I quit and I'm gonna choose alternate ways. I'm going to close myself off to that, or I'm going to engage in perverse forms of it. Pornography, prostitution, right? And on the other end, I become cold and closed off to the spouse God gave me. Both of those things, at first you feel conviction for, after a while your hearts get so hard and you start to think, this is the only way I can survive. Right? Uh, maybe a more convicting and less threatening way is like, yeah, I could sleep more, but instead of doing that right thing, I'm stopping and I'm going to do these things to keep myself awake. Take pills. Right? The people who take pills to wake up, take pills to go to sleep. The truth is that's not good for your heart. Right? And all the famous people you know who did that met early untimely deaths, but people are still doing that. Do you see this? Hardened hearts. That's why you and I, it's so important we encourage one another. And then it says, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In 1 John 2, 18 and 19, it says this, children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. So for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. You see, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. Some people will look at that and they want to go back to kind of a doctrinal issue. But that's not what I want to get in today. What I want to tell you is there's a truth from this. Each one of us, in each moment we choose, we experience living with Jesus when we move and we live in his ways because we trust him. If we don't go in his way, we don't know what he was offering. We don't know what living with him was like. If we go based on his direction and follow him, then we'll see the life he has for us. If we don't, then we won't know. Right? 
you might not know what he has for you. Let me throw this, this at you in a different translation. And then we'll just kind of wrap up and then this will help us get a little more footing before we move forward in John, okay? Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. This is the focal scripture for today. But this is the New Living Translation. It says this, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Do you see that? There's that first piece of personal responsibility. Turning away from the living God. And then it goes to the, via the body of Christ. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So as, as, we, as we wrap up, I'll have the, the praise team come on back up. So my hope here is that I, I can equip you with uh, some tools and some challenges. And I don't want to just keep going forward in John without pausing here for a minute just to say this. I think we have to stop hiding behind these... I don't even know the right word for it. I'm, I'm, we, gotta, we sort of got to hide behind this all-or-nothing mentality, Right? Or this religion is what it really is. Because you and I, we come into this place and we want to say because we have faith in Jesus that we have everything figured out. Okay? When we do that, we set ourselves up for great destruction. We set our children up for great destruction. When really what the scripture is talking about with these people is they were writing letters right? Letters and letters to people who had come to faith in Jesus, but were still struggling surrendering parts of their lives. And so I think in 2022, my audience is the same. A group of people that somewhere along the way, in the midst of your story, of all the successes and all the heartbreak, you've come to know about, and I hope to know Jesus more and more. I know I have. And so if I can challenge you with with certain things to really think on, meditate on, and challenge on, that's the best I can do on any given Sunday. And if we do that week after week, day after day, I think we'll be really transformed. So here's, here's sort of the challenge for today based on what I brought to you from Hebrews. One of the problems with, with being a Christian, and the more you're involved in Christian service, it almost is a bigger problem for you. Because the thought and the expectation is that you don't need to be preached to. That you have some level of life figured out that everyone else doesn't. So we think we're supposed to go into the world and just tell them, man, God is really good. That's my testimony. Let me tell you about what happened, right? When really the testimony is, is still being written and the more that you live, it could even be transformed because God keeps coming for you in a way, right? He keeps invading your life more and more and becoming Lord more and more and, and wanting more and more of your heart and your life and your thought and your devotion. So what's so important about being a Christian is, is one, growing and serving at the same time of, of you know, sitting with God and exhorting others. And it's very difficult to do all of that. But one place you can start with this. If we could begin talking to ourselves. Does anyone else talk to themselves a lot or is it just me? I mean, they say in theory that no one talks to you more than you talk to yourself. And in my head, in my world, it's really true. And the more you're in church, the, the more you forget to tell yourself about really the good news. We call it the gospel, which really doesn't mean good news in our everyday talk, but we use that. 
So if we want to be a people to move forward with Jesus, he's about to go on his ministry and call people to him. These people followed him until death because they thought life with him was better than without. But that's not how we think. It's just another thing to do. But if we could talk to ourselves and others about how Jesus was coming into our lives, right? Like, Lord, I saw a classmate last night, guys. She's not doing well. Not doing well. 25 years ago, we were both in high school together. Brandy, we saw her not doing well. Thank you, God, for rescuing me from that. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for bringing me Brandy. Thank you for giving me Johnny and Tyler and Jordan. And thank you for taking me out of the bank. And thank you for letting me talk to Wade. And thank you for letting me come here and talk with you guys. And thank you that they were like, yeah, we want you to be our pastor. And thank you for COVID so I could get my head straight. Thank you for three months off. Thank you for these people here. It's so good, Corey. How many people get destroyed along the way? Like, how many people get crushed? How many people get hopeless? But God is so good. And if I keep talking to myself about that, there's something to be excited about. Then Jesus is good news. And then I can come here and tell you, like, oh, Josh, man, your daughter graduated high school. Right? Who's got something to tell him about that, right? Like, you've been there, like, that's crazy because, you know, Laura, your daughter and her fiance are getting in a car and they're, she's going to get married. What in the world? Like, tell me that isn't challenging. And why should she go through that alone? Because some of you know, like, yeah, I was there. Like, exhort, let me show you where I'm at. All of these things are just going to show how good God is. So as we go in into this and we walk and we see what Jesus did, we can't forget that we become so blind from our sin. So I want to pray just because I need to do it. You can join me if you want one. Is like, Lord, I confess my unbelief to you. I confess my, un, my, unfaith, my unfaithfulness to you, my doubt, my fear. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to fill me with confidence, with peace, and with joy so that I don't continue to make those mistakes and walk in those ways. And Lord, soften my heart so it doesn't get hardened to you so I can see how good you are. Right? And then if I'm not blind, then I've got something exciting to tell you. I mean, after all, guys, Christians, if you really believe what you say you believe, do you understand the king of everything? Like all the mansions, everything the most beautiful, you're going to be his? You're going to be in his kingdom with him? Like, what if your kids don't end up like they, you want them to? So what? What if your marriage isn't everything you wanted it to? What if you never make money? What if you die young or you die old or you live here or you live there? What if America survives for a thousand more years? What if it survives a thousand more hours? What if you make it to 80 or a nuclear war breaks out? I mean, I don't want to say it this way, but who cares, right? Jesus is going to come back. Like, if we started living like that, if I started living like that, and you believed it, right, Reggie? What's the worst they can do to us, man? Kill us? Send us home with the Father? Like, oh, no, they sent me to Disneyland. This is really awful, right? That's even, that's even better. Let's pray. Oh, uh, Lord Jesus, I just, man... I don't want to be a hypocrite. So for me, that's, there's some areas, Lord, and I think everyone else here, we got areas where it's hard to trust you. Like I take this a big responsibility being the pastor of this church, Lord, and I don't, I really don't know what I'm doing, so I need your help. I need the people around me to be the church. So I got to trust you for that. If I do this for 30 years and at the end of it, I'm like, dude, I sucked at that. Then, Lord, I'm just going to trust that you had a plan. You were faithful and you made it happen if I did it. 
And with Brandy, I have to give her to you. She's my wife. She is amazing. Like, I couldn't keep her from having her hurt back. And, but I also couldn't heal her. And you've done all of those things. It's so, so awesome for that. I've got three kids, and they're all like teenagers. And that's crazy. I can trust you for that. They get in cars and drive away and make their own decisions. That's crazy. I live in a country, Lord, where things go on independent of me that doesn't necessarily agree with me on everything. And every day I'm getting older and less cool and less in the know. But I'm grateful. Lord, and I'm sitting here with my brothers and sisters, so I ask you just to keep exposing that log in my eye. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. Forgive me for doubting you. Forgive me for pouting about it. Forgive me for trying to make it different. Forgive us for always being like, what are you, busy? Or, oh, it's hard, you know? Never being rejoiceful. And so, Lord, I don't want my heart to harden. And so, please do the work, whether it's forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of others, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just soften the hearts of all of us here today. And that when you soften our hearts, that you would just give take away those stony parts of our heart and make them pieces of flesh, Lord, that can be squeezed and molded by you, that can feel love and love others, Lord. Fill us with you, your love and your presence, Lord. And might it just brighten our eyes so that we can see clearly where we're blind now. Show us, Lord. Lord, I pray for this book of John journey that we just see you, Jesus, where you're at. And I pray that we continually ask that you'd open our eyes so we can see. Lord, open our eyes right before us because no matter what we pray or what we read, the truth of what we believe in you is how we treat the people around us. The people we get in the car with when we leave here, the people we go home with, the people we go to work with. Let us be your light and your love and your truth in all those places, I pray. In Jesus' name.